that name is above everything. And so I, right now I pray for your power, your blessings upon these, your people, as we continue to move forward in our time of worship. We also pray, Father, for every church out there under your name that's preaching the truth. Father, that the kingdom of God would begin to expand and explode and, and, and grow and have impact and have power and influence. And we pray right now that it starts with Harvest Church right here in Coker, Alabama, Father. We thank you for the great opportunity and the great privilege and the great responsibility we have to represent your name. Continue to work in us and change us and make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before I get into today's message, I want to take a moment and say thank you to all of you who had an opportunity and took opportunity to um, show appreciation for my wife, my family, and myself, along with uh, Bradley and Stacy, uh, for pastor slash staff appreciation. And I want every one of you to say, well, I, I didn't give anything. Your appreciation is shown by the fact that you're here, and I thank you for that. And uh, ask that you just continue to pray, pray for us as we continue to seek to do what God has called us to do. And we thank you once again for showing that appreciation and being a part of that. Amen? Um, you know, I don't know, it's been nine, ten weeks I've been talking about, is the church on the verge of bankruptcy insufficient? I've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit and going through all of the different elements of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and today I kind of bring all of that together. Why would I spend time talking to us about the fruit of the Spirit? You know, a lot of times I hear people quote the fruit, you know, Galatians 5, 22, but they don't go ahead into verse 23. 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then it ends, verse 23 ends with, against such things there is no law. Against such things there is no law. In other words, when you think about the law, the, the Bible teaches us that the law was there to kind of point out to us our failings and our shortcomings. And in the Old Testament, that, that the law made them realize that they were short of God's glory and they could never get there. And the devil is pretty smart. So he uses the law to get what? To bring about what in our life? Condemnation. He uses the law to get us to feel less than. And, and, all, and, he, and God is telling us that if you will have these things in your life, the enemy has no grounds to stand on in victory over you. But that doesn't mean he doesn't come, does it? <laughs> Anybody in here been through some things, some challenges, some, some, some heartaches, some obstacles, and different things? So, so that scripture doesn't say that you won't have challenges. But how many of you want to walk victorious for Christ? How many of you want to be a Christian that's living to the maximum potential of what God called you to do? Well, today I'm going to help hopefully take us a step further and wrap up this insufficient because here's the reality. The church will never, ever be insufficient in the things of God. The question is, will you and I carry the banner? Will you and I raise our staff 
for God. Will you and I? Because he, he, God sits in heaven and is waiting on an opportunity to pour out more of himself upon us, in us, and through us. But he needs us to be out there willing to step. Do you know that God needs you and I to work with him and to partner with him and to face the obstacles and the challenges? And through those obstacles and challenges, he will receive glory. I'm not going to read the entire passage, but go back to Exodus 14 uh, and read that entire chapter in its entirety and, and, and get the, the grasp of what God will do. Exodus 14 tells the story of Moses delivering the people out of Egypt. And it tells the story of how God brings them out. But all of a sudden, they find themselves in front of a Red Sea, an impassable Red Sea on foot, and an army that's out to destroy them closing in fast. That, that sounds like a pretty tight spot. Anybody in here ever <laughs> felt like you were in a tight spot? Anybody in here felt like... Whichever way you turn, you knew you were going to be destroyed. If I go into the Red Sea, I'm going to drown. If I keep standing here, the enemy's going to overtake me. Exodus 14, verse 13 says this, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord today. The Egyptians you see today will never, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. He need only, he, you need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? I, when, I, when, when I read that the first time, I'm thinking, God, what do you mean? There, there's an army coming to kill them, and they're looking at a Red Sea, and God's going, why, why are you crying out to me? <laughs> Anybody ever been in that situation where you thought, well, the only place I can cry out is to you, God? But God had already promised what? Deliverance. God had already promised deliverance to the people of Israel. And God has already made promises over your life long before your circumstances change or appear to be impassable. And instead of crying out to him, oh, God, why you bring me here? Why you put me here? You say, God, what am I to do next? That's why, that's why he's going, Moses, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't need to be crying out to me like, oh, my good, it's over. There's no hope. You need to be asking me, what do I do next? That's why he asked him, why are you crying out? Why are you worried? Why are you afraid? I got you. Tell the Israelites to move on. <laughs> All right. Once again, can I describe the situation to you one more time? There's a Red Sea in front. And an army behind is coming to kill on chariots and horses. So it's not like if they, if they decide to go left or right, that's not going to work either. They're just running into more desert, right? And God says, move on. How many times has God told you to move on? And when he says move on, that means whatever direction I had you going in, keep going. But God, there's a Red Sea in front of me. God, what, I mean, come on, God, what do you want me to do? Move on. 
move on. Move on. And then he turns and he says to Moses, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry land. I will hearten the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after you. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots, through his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Dear Father, I pray right now that you teach us, Father, that if we will add the fruit of the Spirit, if we'll allow the Spirit to do and finish and continue his work in us, there'll be nothing that the enemy can bring against us that we cannot walk in victory over. And, Father, that when we face our red seas, because they're coming, and the enemy appears to be bearing down on us and we can't move forward, help us to remember your promises. Help us to remain bold and encouraged to step forward and to move on. And most of all, Father, help us to raise our staff for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Adversity is a part of life. I didn't preach all of those things for us to be churchy. I preached those things because individually, collectively, as a church, as a community, as a city, we're going to have adversity. And us as believers are to be the light in the world. We're, we cannot, you cannot escape adversity. It's a part of life. You can, if, you, if you expect everything, to be smooth because you got saved, someone has lied to you. The enemy is real, and adversity is a part of this walk in this world. But remember this, you're more than a conqueror. See, see I love that passage of Scripture. Doesn't matter what all the enemy brings. I'm not just a conqueror. See, see, there's people out there that go through adversity and they, they, they go through it. Some, some go through it and they're worse off for it. Some go through it and they're about the same. God tells us and promises us that if we'll go through it, on the other side, we're more than conquerors. We don't just conquer. We don't just get the victory. We get it back and some. We're more than conquerors. When I was studying for this, it, uh, the, the studying I was going through, it says, Mark, think of a warrior. When a warrior goes off to war, they equip themselves for what? War and battle. They equip themselves for the worst. They prepare themselves for an enemy that is out to steal, kill, and destroy. They're they're not surprised when they get attacked by the enemy. Even when the enemy tries to ambush them, they still have a plan. And my question is, are we as the believers of Christ, are we walking out in this world 
as warriors for Christ that's in a battle that's out to steal, kill, and destroy. We need to understand that we have different levels of challenges and and different things that happen and different levels of adversity, but God promises, and I can't answer the question because people ask me, why does this happen? Why? I, that's not my role. I can't answer that. I can't answer it in my own life, so I definitely can't answer it in yours. But I can tell you this, I trust God, and I believe God. And he tells me that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Now, here's the thing. Have you ever heard the saying, whatever don't kill you makes you stronger? Now, that statement could be a lie, even using this scripture. See, everybody, I hear people all the time quote, all things work together. That's not what the scripture says. There's a condition for that. It says all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord first. Because there's people who love God, but there's a second condition. And are called according to his purpose. Do you know that there are things that you have gone through in your life that make zero sense right now because you're not doing what God called you to do? Do you, do you under, I mean, if, if, if you're not, you, you can love God, but if he called you to do something else and you're doing what you want to do versus what he wants you to do, it won't make sense. It works together when you have love for him and you're walking in his purpose. Great example. If I am a baseball player and I can pitch really good, but I decide because I got a good arm, I'm going to go out and play quarterback, but I'm five foot two, I'm slow, but I can throw a really good curveball and all that, it doesn't matter that I have all of these things that makes me a great baseball player if I'm determined because I can throw, I'm going to be a football player quarterback. And it's the same thing in life. There are things and experiences in your life that are conditioning you and preparing you for God's purpose in life. And as a result of that, when you have those experiences, I, I often think about to the fact that I grew up, and they were supposed to cut this little thing under my tongue because I slurred certain words and, and different things like that. And when I came to the college, they made fun of the way I talked. And I always think about that now and <laughs> look at what I do now in terms of preaching and radio show and sales and speak. <laughs> I mean, everything I do... Re Revolves around this very weakness that I had. But I was talking to someone the other day, and it had not dawned on me. One experience that I had was when I was in the 10th grade, we were going to play um, in a football game. And 
the media and everything said, this was the storyline that put about our team. Normally, we have four good teams play in this tournament, I mean, in this event. This year, we're going to let Cherokee County play in it. <laughs> and uh, we won, and I won MVP. Well, the speaker at that event was Bo Jackson. And guess what Bo Jackson suffered with? A speech impediment. And I think about <laughs> the fact that, that God loved me enough that he would allow, of all the people who could have spoke at that one event, of all the people who could have been the MVP and all of those things, he chose to allow me to have that experience. And as time went along, I thought back to that at different times. I had not thought about this for years. The other day when I was telling someone about experiences that you go through. And I'm telling you, when there was times when, when I was embarrassed, I wouldn't say anything. And I know that's hard for people to believe as much as I talk now. <laughs> but even to this day, there's times and places I go that I know I sound different than people expect. And I have to go back to those. I have to go over all of those times that people laughed at me gave me nicknames for the way I talk, et cetera. To that moment that God inspired me, to the moment he also called me. And that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm able to do it. Now, that's just one small example. That's not, a, that's not a negative, but it could have been. I know that there's people who are not walking and working and doing in their skill set, in their calling, and in their purpose because of what's been spoke over them or what people have made fun of them, and they have allowed adversity and challenges to come. But remember, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. I want you to consider five things as you go through adversity. Number one is there's a roaring lion who is seeking to devour you. As you live this life, as you walk through life, do not be surprised by attacks of the enemy. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy prowls like a roaring lion. You know, that I, you read that and you think, well, who wouldn't hear a roaring lion? Do you all know when a, roar, a lion roars? Right at the moment he's about to pounce on his prey, and it's the roar that paralyzes them. But he was tracking them quietly until he had the opportunity to pounce. So is it, you, you have this image when you read that scripture that the devil's walking around, roar! No, no, no. He's... In the bush, and sorry, I didn't mean scare the baby. <laughs> he is, he's a king of the jungle, but he is a stealth hunter. And it, guess what? He also looks at the pack and attacks the weak and the young. 
and the one that's separated from the group. He tells us to be alert. So consider that as you walk through life, you have an enemy that's seeking to devour you. Also remember that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. (laughs) Sometimes you have to look a little deeper than the person or the circumstance that you're going through to realize that there's more to it than what you see with your naked eye. Number two is you have to prepare to deal with adversity. You don't wait till the fight is upon you to prepare to fight. If you're not in a battle right now, be preparing for one. If you're in one, keep fighting and keep replenishing. If you're coming out of one, breathe, exhale, and then get ready and prepare for the next one. And how do we do that? We've told you. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All of those things. All of the fruit of the Spirit is how you prepare for war. And the Bible tells us to these things, keep adding to them. Don't get satisfied. That's just the, the, the fruit of the Spirit out of Galatians. But there's also many other elements of God's character that you and I need to add to our life. And we allow the Holy Spirit to do that. When adversity comes because we've been preparing, we'll be ready to fight. Another thing I want you to consider is build a support network. What have we been talking about, young people up in, in, in uh, Sunday school, in the youth, talking about being a, the body of Christ and being a team? And here's, here's what's interesting. We had um, the first time we did this, we, we did it, and they had to work together as a body, okay? They had to sit on the floor, and they put their backs together, and they had to get stand up without using their hands. They couldn't use their hands, so the only thing they do is put their backs against each other, and they had to stand up. And the first time we did it, we struggled to get three people. But I showed them how they worked together and worked in one direction and, and all of that. In the body of Christ, they were able to get three of them up. They couldn't get the fourth one up. All right? No, they finally got four up after I coached them up. Well, the next time they came, we came together, and they, they, were, they were coaching each other, and and you had the diversity, you had young, old, black, white, female, had two Hispanic kids. And so here, here they are. We got eight kids up there. And they all eight stood up eventually, working together. They went from three to four to five to six. But they had some struggles, had some ups and downs. But they, 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 they finally realized if we all push in one direction together, and wait on each other because some of them were stronger than the other ones. And so they would just whoop, stand up. And because they stood up fast, the other ones would fall. And if they didn't lock arms, then they would leave one behind. So they all had to work and push in one direction. And they built a network of support that when one of them wasn't strong enough, but because they were a part of the group, they were able to all stand up together. And God wants us as the body of Christ to build a network 
together. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The enemy is on an all-out tack in terms of the importance of church attendance. See, we all think that church attendance is just for us. I've heard people tell me, well, I don't need to come to church because I can get my message on TV. Well, that's true. But that God didn't say anything about you coming to church for you. Huh. God said come together so that you could spur one another on. Hey, you good. (laughs) You're good. But what about that brother or sister that's struggling? What about that, that guest that comes that, that needs to know that God is able to bring you through another situation and they're struggling and they come and they need you to be the one that says, you know what, my God, because what did it tell us before? It says, hold unswervingly to the hope you profess for he who promised is faithful. In other words, you remember that and then when you see others who are going through things, facing things, need you, you are there. I love the word spur. Anybody ever seen cowboy boots with the spurs on them? In other words, sometimes you have to push them. Sometimes you have to nudge them. Sometimes you have to kick them. But he says that he expects us to do that for who? Each other. Encourage one another. Spur one another on. It's important that if we're going to walk through, if we're going to walk through the battles of life, (laughs) we need each other. How many times, just if you're in a situation or you've been in a situation, how many times did you hear through that darkest battle that you're the only one going through it? How many times did you hear, or how many, let me ask you another way. How many of you have heard that voice say, well, you know you're the only one dealing with this. Nobody else, everybody else is past that. Everybody else is good. It's just you. You're the only one. That's because we do not spur one another on and connect as the body and build that support network. Matthew 18 18 through 20 says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to give you a chance to say amen, Jan. (laughs) It says we're two or more. First of all, he sets up, he says, you can bind things in heaven, loose things on earth. You have power with the words you speak if you do it in my name. But you don't need to do it by yourself. 
You need to find somebody to agree with you. You need to find someone that will be there when you start to start to fall. Just start to fall. Start to fall. Just, 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 just go ahead. No, keep going. I'll just lay here. <laughs> See, that's exactly it. Because anybody in here ever been so weak through a battle that you didn't think you could stand any longer? But most of the time, we fall because we're by ourselves. But God said, if the two of you agree, yeah, when that one starts to fall, that other one will get you. But I got good news for you. He promises that if Jam and I get together, it's actually this right here. And he said he's right smack in the middle. Amen. So that as I'm encouraging Jam, and Jam starts to fall, who got him? Jesus. If I get tired of encouraging or if I have my issues and I start to fall, who got me? But it was the fact that I came to his help to support him that Jesus said, I like what Jam and Martin's doing. I'm going to get in the middle of that. Amen. And I'm going to take care of both of them. He's going to say that. You see what I'm saying? God is saying that if you'll build a support network, don't try to go through it alone. Guys, we want to be victorious in this Christian life. And the enemy wants to separate us and segregate us and keep us and make us think we're the only one. But if we... We'll get together and get somebody. Now, don't get together with just anybody. As they say, well, any old fool won't do. Okay? I can remember when I, one of the first times I came to church here, and we were actually, it was a, I think it was the second time I came, actually. David told the story of praying for his dad. And those people that was coming in, and they were like, I'm like God, if, no, no, no. They were like, hold on. If you're not coming in here to pray for my dad to be healed, right there. David wanted people coming into that room that agreed. <laughs> Don't go. <laughs> There's some people that look at a glass and it's half empty. Unless it's overflowing and then they'll argue with you about the part that's leaking out. Okay? They can't see the positive. They can't see the promises. So you can't just connect with anybody. That two or three matters. It says two or three that agree. Agree. And what are you agreeing on? The promises of God. Not on my plans, but God's promises. Because whatever he's promises, all. Yeah. Watch this. Watch this now. Another lesson. All in the Greek, Hebrew, English, Spanish, um, Italian, Greek. All means what? All right. So all of God's promises are what? Yes. Yes and what amen mean, Miss Judy? So be it. 
all God's promises. So you need somebody that's going to agree with you on that. You don't need to be talking to somebody going, yeah, I know, but. Don't, don't slap the butt out. Not the person. Not the person. That's not what I was, I didn't mean slap them, but smack it out of the way. Get it out of the way. Because God says, listen to that great promise. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. But it starts with you. Now, that doesn't mean, please don't hear me. I'm not telling you that you can't pray to God by yourself. But I'm telling you, God promises things when you can find a brother or sister in Christ to agree with you and to join with you and to pray with you. That's his promise. But the enemy knows that we can talk ourselves straight out of the promises of God and the blessings of God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Remember, all things work together for the good. And one of those things that knits all of that together is your faith in Christ. I had a young man on my radio show we do every Wednesday, Scotty Hollins, and we talked about who you see, how you see God in the adverse times is who God is to you. How you view God in the adverse times is how you view God. And what I mean by that is it's easy to talk about who God is when everything is great. It's easy to talk about God is good all the, when everything is good. But can you say God is good all the time when there's a struggle, when there's an adverse situation? I told him, I said, yep, it's sort of like this. You can't see the juice in the lemon till it's squeezed. And you don't know who God is and how you really view him till you've had some times where your human flesh couldn't answer it. And your human flesh couldn't get the answer it wanted. Or your human flesh couldn't get the solution it desired. And all you could do was trust him and your faith in who he is. Who is God to you? Because you need to know that and do everything you can to make that foundation sure before adversity hits. Because some of the closest people to you, if I'm not mistaken, people came to you guys when you found out about breast cancer and they just gave you the negative side of things. They don't, we don't go out and talk about how many times God has saved, resurrected, turned around, brought out of. We just talk about the times that God, in our opinion, didn't come through. And who you have or your thought and perception of who God is in the tough times is who God is to you. Do you believe that God is able no matter what? 
And then I love this one. Talking about faith, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is out of Hebrews 12. Considered a great cloud of witnesses. Since, you, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, we need to take our inspiration and learn from those who have dealt with adversity. We need to share our testimony. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb taken care of. And the word of their testimony. And loving their lives not as to shrink back from death. So my question to you is, are you considering a great cloud of witnesses? Some of those great cloud of witnesses come from the Scriptures, where you can go back and look at, at, at Moses and at Abraham and, a, and, and at Noah and, and at King David. You can look at all of the great men and women of faith, Rahab and so on and so forth, as a great cloud of witnesses. But you can also look around this sanctuary. And I promise you, if we set out a service and you thought about it, we could testify to the goodness of God. Amen. And I met a man the other day, an old friend, and, and he's just coming through a bout with cancer. He had the second uh, treatment um, made him septic. And he was standing there talking to me, and he said, yep, I was, I was septic, and, uh, and I, I, I didn't think I was going to make it. I said, you know, that's something you don't hear every day. I said, As a matter of fact, I've never heard it. He said, what are you talking about? He's, and he said, God is good. I said, I've never a, met a person say I was septic. I've heard other people say he became septic and died. I said, I've never heard a man tell me he, his entire body became septic and he lived. Y'all will get that in a minute. He became septic and he lived. And he's testifying to it and telling people that God is good. So I encourage that, brother, you keep telling. Because somebody somewhere is going to have a loved one that becomes septic. And all they're going to know is the stories like I used to know. Man, when your whole body and all your organs start shutting down, it's just a matter of time. I said, but now I got somebody that I met personally and talked to that testified that God is good and that I became septic, and I'm living to testify to it. Now, that may happen all the time, but I hadn't had anybody say it to me. Did it happen all the time? Oh, okay. I was, I was just asking a nurse. It didn't happen all the time. Okay. I was just checking. I'm not a medical professional, but I stayed at holiday. No, no I didn't. I stayed at home. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but my point behind that is testify to the goodness of God. Don't, don't make it. It doesn't have to be septic. It can be something as small as God providing for you through any circumstance that you were stressed out about. <laughs> Anything. 
And the more you testify to it and hear yourself say it, guess what? The more your faith is going to grow. But God says, consider that great cloud of witnesses. And, of course, the greatest witness we have is Jesus, who it says that he endured the cross. He went to it knowing what it was going to do, and we can consider him as one of those witnesses. But we can also consider each other one of those witnesses. Learn from each other. Connect with each other. And be there one for another. And God will see you through. As you consider those things, here's just a couple. How many of you know the story of Helen Keller? She lost her sight and hearing during a fever when she was only 18 months old. She overcame her deafness and blindness. And, of course, we know that she did a lot of great things in this world. Uh, not getting into all those details. How many of you ever heard of Wilma Rudolph? Anybody heard? Wilma Rudolph was an Olympian in 1960. She was born premature. She was the number 20 of 22 children. She had double pneumonia, scarlet fever, and polio. I don't know. Did it matter? <laughs> I, it, it, I don't know if it was. I think it was just like it kind of all back to back to back. She's born with, I guess, the different elements all happened. But it, it should have crippled her. It killed her first, should have killed her. Then it should have made her cripple. But instead, she went on to become a, an Olympian. And my point behind that is it's not just in the spiritual thing that God wants you to be victorious. It's in whatever he's called you to do. Amen. Whatever your gifting and your calling is, it doesn't have to be in a church. It doesn't have to be in a Christian situation or setting. It is whatever he's called you to be, whether it be a teacher, or a lawyer, a nurse, an athlete, a preacher, whatever it is, you have to be prepared to face adversity and then learn from it and partner with each other to get through it and remember each other and encourage each other. And then these three things, these three things, put on the full armor of God every day. Put on the full armor of God every day. You are in a war, so be prepared for it. By the way, the only place that's not protected is your backside. So God gave no provision for protection if you run. If you turn and run from your problems, from your circumstances, from your situation, and do not continue to pursue him, you only expose yourself to the enemy without the proper armor to fight and to protect yourself. Number two is allow what we've been talking about for the last two months to strengthen you. The fruit of the Spirit. You become a Christian who is empowered to live victorious by allowing the fruit of the Spirit to develop in you. And it is the Holy Spirit working in you that does that. So you put on the armor, 
That's your role. He didn't say, I'm going to put on armor. He says, you put on the armor every day. Then he tells you that you allow the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will do the work. The Holy Spirit will grow love in you and patience in you and kindness in you, but you have to submit to him and let the Holy Spirit work in you. And third, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid of the Red Sea in front of you and the army behind you. Raise up your staff and move on. This church needs it collectively. You need it individually. And this city and this community needs it from you and I and Harvest Church. All I'm looking for are a few warriors that say, I'm going to put on my armor. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And every single day, every single day, I'm going to do my best to raise my staff and move on. I'm not going to get caught up in the fact that the enemy is closing in and that there's an immovable sea in front. Because what I read is that the wind blew back the waters. And you know, the, you know what the wind is, right, Ms. Donaldson? Every time you talk about the wind, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will blow open a path for you to keep walking. But he needs you to take one step at a time. Don't try to see to the other side of your Red Sea because you can't see it. Just walk one step at a time with your staff raised in faith that God is able to move the Red Sea and destroy the enemy that pursues. Keep walking. Keep stepping. And keep your staff lifted high. Harvest Church, can I get you to agree on this first Sunday in November that you're going to raise your staff, that you're going to raise your staff for God? And no matter what you're fighting, no matter what adversity you're in, coming out of or going into, that you're going to raise your staff because your God is well able to do it. He will be faithful to his promises. Amen. If you would, stand at your feet. Dearly, Father, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. That's right now in the name of Jesus, Father. If you would, look at every heart that's here. You know every circumstance and every situation. And I ask right now in the name of Jesus that whatever your children, your people have need of, Father, that right now, if you're in a circumstance or a situation, that you need God to move. And God, you see them, and they need you to move. In an act of obedience, in an act of obedience, not asking anyone to come to the altar, 
but asking you right where you stand. If you have a circumstance, a job situation, a marriage situation, a health situation, a family situation, a career situation, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're here right now and <laughs> you feel surrounded and overwhelmed and there appears to be a Red Sea in front and the enemy behind and a desert all around, <laughs> do not be afraid. Stand and see the deliverance of the Lord in your circumstance, in your situation today. So, Father, as you look down upon Harvest Church and to anyone that's listening on Facebook Live right now or listening to this later on, on our podcast or, or on the church website, Father, if they have a situation and if they're willing right now to raise their staff, <laughs> that you will part the Red Sea of their circumstance and their situation. So on the count of three, if that's you, if that's you and you say, God, <laughs> I'm going to raise my staff and I need you to deliver me in this situation. I'm agreeing with my pastor that this situation is done, resolved, healed, delivered, set free, in Jesus' name, on the count of three, I want you to raise up your staff. One, two, and three. Raise that staff. Raise that staff in Jesus' name. Right now, Father God, you see every hand that's lifted. And so, Father, we touch and agree right now with one another that this situation, you know what it is, that it is done in Jesus' name. And we all together say thank you, thank you. and in Jesus name, Jesus name. Amen. Amen. amen amen 